You are listening to Community Supported Radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. Today is Monday, January 25th. I'm Charlotte Peterson, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. For their support, we'd like to thank Four Paws Animal Clinic, providing medical, dental, surgical services, alternative therapies, and cap boarding for cherished companions on Searles Avenue, Nevada City. Dr. Susan Murphy and staff proudly support KVMR, F-O-U-R-P-A-W-S-A-C.com. And Briar Patch Food Co-op, a community-owned and supported grocery store since 1976, now with curbside pickup. Briar Patch is on social media and at briarpatch.coop. Today, following NPR headlines and regional weather, Paul Emery talks with Brett Shady about Connecting Point and how it assists people seeking a COVID-19 vaccine. We bring you this week's Water News with Steve Baker. NPR has a story on the death of broadcast legend Larry King. At 6.30, we bring you Wings. And at 7, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. But first, a public service announcement from KVMR, followed by NPR headlines and regional weather. Thursday at noon on KVMR. It's a virtual town hall. Vaccinate Nevada County. The COVID-19 vaccine rollout is underway. Who can get the vaccine and when? How will you know when you're eligible? Is it safe? Is it mandatory? Is it free? We've invited healthcare professionals to give you accurate information about vaccine availability, the logistics behind the effort, and to answer any questions you may have. You can watch a live stream on Ubinet's YouTube channel, and you can hear it live on KVMR 89.5 FM. Panelists include Nevada County Health Officer Dr. Scott Kellerman, Dr. Brian Evans, CEO of Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital, Dr. Alenia Stevens of Chava Day, and Ryan Groover from Nevada County Health and Human Services. That's a virtual town hall meeting. Vaccinate Nevada County, Thursday at noon on KVMR. Live from NPR News, I'm Jack Spear. The House impeachment case against Donald Trump is going to the Senate for his upcoming trial as House Democratic prosecutors make the ceremonial walk across the Capitol at this hour to deliver the charge of incitement of insurrection, some Republican senators are already easing off their criticism of the former president. It's an indication of Trump's enduring sway over the party even out of office. Democratic prosecutors are increasingly facing Republican legal arguments against the legitimacy of the trial, as well as questions over whether Trump's repeated demands to overturn Joe Biden's election victory really amounted to incitement. The impeachment trial is set to be Again in the Senate in two weeks. President Biden, meanwhile, laid out his plan to build back the nation's economy amid the coronavirus pandemic. NPR's Windsor Johnston reports Biden has signed an executive order that reinforces his Buy American campaign pledge to bolster manufacturing in the U.S. President Biden says the order will close loopholes that allow U.S. companies to sidestep Buy American requirements. If an agency wants to issue a waiver to say we're not going to buy an American product as part of this project, we're going to buy a foreign product, they have to come to the White House and explain it to us. 
We're going to require that waivers be publicly posted. Biden says he's also creating a position in the White House Budget Office responsible for enforcing the directive. Under the previous administration, federal government contracts awarded directly to foreign companies went up 30 percent. Biden said that will change on his administration's watch. Windsor Johnston, NPR News, Washington. The Biden administration is awaiting a ruling by a Trump-appointed federal judge in a case that tests a last-minute deal made by the outgoing Trump team and the state of Texas over immigration enforcement. NPR's John Burnett reports the Texas Attorney General sued the new administration over Biden's executive action that freezes most deportations for 100 days. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is complaining that Biden's about-face on deportations violates a deal the Trump administration quietly signed with Texas earlier this month. The highly unusual agreement makes it difficult for Biden to undo many of the stern policies that immigration agents were enforcing under Trump. Now the Trump-Texas deal is being tested in court. Biden wants ICE agents to scale back removing unauthorized immigrants who are not public safety or national security threats and only deport the dangerous ones. But Paxton, who's a stalwart Trump supporter, contends that undocumented immigrants harm Texas and the removals must go forward. John Burnett, NPR News. Janet Yellen has been confirmed by the Senate, making history as the nation's first female Treasury Secretary. Yellen confirmed by a final vote of 84 to 15. On Wall Street today, the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 36 points. The Nasdaq was up 92. This is NPR. President Biden is bringing back regular COVID-19 briefings. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki making the announcement the administration plans to resume holding the briefings starting this Wednesday and will feature public health officials. For a time early in the pandemic, such briefings were held, but as conditions in the U.S. worsened, they were dropped by the Trump administration as it sought to rein in public health experts, including Dr. Anthony Fauci. The Biden administration is looking at ways to speed up the process of putting a picture of Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill. NPR's Isha Roscoe reports the decision to honor Tubman in this way was made during the Obama administration, but it never came to fruition. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says the Treasury Department is exploring ways to expedite the change in currency. Saki says it's important that the country's money be representative of the diversity and history of the United States. And Harriet Tubman's image gracing the new $20 note would certainly reflect that. Former President Andrew Jackson would remain on the back of the $20 note. The new design was supposed to be unveiled in 2020, but then under the Trump administration, officials said the bills would likely not go into circulation until 2026. The current White House did not offer a timeline for how soon the new money might be released. Aisha Roscoe, NPR News. President Biden has signed an executive order revoking a Pentagon policy that largely barred transgender individuals from joining the military. The order, which Biden signed during a meeting today with new Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, overturns a ban ordered by former President Trump. Biden's order also prohibits any service member from being barred from the military on the basis of gender identity. This is NPR. Now for regional weather. According to the National Weather Service, in the Grass Valley, Nevada City area, tonight will be mostly clear with a low around 21. On Tuesday, there is a 20% chance of snow showers after 1 p.m. with a high near 39. And Tuesday night, snow showers are likely with a low around 32. And new snow accumulation of 8 to 12 inches is possible. In Sacramento tonight, skies will be mostly clear with a low around 29. 
Tuesday, showers are likely mainly after 4 p.m. with a high near 50. Tuesday night, showers are expected, possibly heavy at times with a low around 42. And new precipitation amounts between 3 quarters and 1 inch are possible. In Truckee tonight, there is a 40% chance of snow before 10 p.m. with a low around 5. Tuesday, snow is likely after 4 p.m. with a high near 26. And snow is expected to continue Tuesday night, heavy at times, with a low around 21. New snow accumulation of 6 to 10 inches is possible. And in Angels Camp tonight, skies will be mostly clear with a low around 24. Tuesday, rain and snow showers are likely after 4 p.m. with a daytime high near 43. Rain and snow showers are expected to continue Tuesday night with a low around 37. New snow accumulation of 2 to 4 inches is possible. The National Weather Service has also issued the following warnings in the Grass Valley, Nevada City, Foothills area, Sacramento region, and Angels Camp area. There are high wind warnings in effect on Wednesday, January 27th from 12 a.m. to 12 p.m. There is also a hard freeze warning in effect Tuesday night, and there is a winter storm warning in effect January 26th from 4 p.m. to Friday, January 29th at 2 a.m. In the Sacramento region, there is also a flash flood watch in effect from Tuesday, January 26th at 4 p.m. to Thursday, January 28th at 5 p.m. And there is also a winter storm warning in effect from Tuesday, January 26th at 4 p.m. through Friday, January 29th at 2 a.m. And that winter storm warning does include the Truckee region as well. I'm speaking with Brett Shady. He is Community Engagement Specialist for Connecting Point up here in the Grass Valley, Nevada City area. Welcome to KVMR, Brett. Thank you so much, Paul. What is Connecting Point? It's a pretty basic question, but, you know, I don't think a lot of people know what it is. So give us a good uh, understanding. No, yeah, uh, Connecting Point, um, we're located in Grass Valley. We're a public utility, and we um, basically it boils down to we're kind of the connecting point to get resources and information to the people who need it, the public. So we have a lot of different services. We have programs like we have uh, in-home supportive services. Um, We do CalWORKs program. Um, we have something called the Volunteer Hub, which is kind of like a job website, but for volunteer opportunities in Nevada County. Um, we take coordinated entry calls for people experiencing homelessness. Um, we offer free community classes. But our main program that what people really know us for is uh, the 211 uh, number, which is a community call center. Uh, tell us about this. How does it serve the community? So 211 is a national brand. There's 211s all over the country, but they're all run locally. So it's kind of like 911. So wherever you are and you call 211, uh, you will get to your local uh, chapter of 211. So we handle the 211 program in both Nevada and Placer counties now. 
we've been doing Nevada County for the past decade or so. And, and uh, just recently in July, we, we officially launched in Placer. So uh, 211 is a community call center. Um, and basically, if you need to be uh, need any kind of resources at all, resources, information, um, help finding housing, food, um, anything like that, you call 211 and our uh, we have a dedicated database and our call agents will help you uh, find anything you're looking for. And there are people who call because they need a place to stay. They need a shelter to find, you know, for the night. Um, We also have people who call just for information. There's a gentleman who calls um, just to find out the date and time sometimes. Um, So we really, it runs the gamut. We take any kind of call. We're open 24 hours a day seven days a week, 365 days a year. And um, you'll always talk to a live agent and they have a dedicated database so they can find anything you're trying to look for. Um, So we just try to help as best we can. So how did this connection with the uh, county uh, come about? Is this something that's happening all over the country? or or, Tell us about it. Well, here in Nevada County... um, the county has been a great partner with two and one um, really for the past decade or so. Um, I'm not exactly sure how many other two and one, you know, across the country, uh, how their partnerships within their counties work. I know that um, United way uh, hosts a lot of two one one across the country, but for here in Nevada County, at least um, the county has been, really uh such a great partner to us we worked with them just recently on a census outreach campaign for the 2020 census um and really as we were expanding our uh disaster services since 2020 it's been pretty much non-stop disasters so we've had to kind of rise to that um and the county has really been instrumental in that um during the first PG&E public safety power shutoff, uh, we actually moved the entire call center to the uh, emergency operations center so we could work together with uh, the uh, Office of Emergency Services um, just to get the latest information out to the public. And and, um, we started doing text alerts um, to get county information out to the public uh, surrounding that. So since then, um, especially since the pandemic and we've had to transition out of the office and our call center is, um, you know, all of our call agents are working from home now. Um, so it's been really a valuable partnership right now because um, we've been dealing with pushing out the non-emergency messaging uh, around PSPS, around COVID, the Jones fire, um, uh the air quality problems we were having, um, extreme weather shelters, and and now vaccines. So um, it's it's in the public interest um, and in our interest and the county's interest. It's really a win-win for everyone. So let's talk about the uh, the COVID vaccine uh, situation and, and what what you're doing with it. How do you, uh, uh, this must be a huge thing. How are you dealing with the huge influx of COVID vaccine calls that must be happening at this? So in the past two weeks or so, calls regarding the COVID vaccine 
uh, has really shot up. Unexpectedly, we went from, I'd say, about 100 calls a day uh, to in this past week, there's been some days that are getting up to 500 calls. And um, our call agents are very thorough and very um, dedicated to each call. And so we want to make sure we have enough time. We want to make sure that the public isn't waiting on hold. Um, and so we've really had to uh, step up as quickly as possible in order to do this. We've been doing a lot of hiring of um, especially bilingual call agents. Um, we're always looking for more. So if anybody knows of any bilingual call agents, please send them our way. Um, but, uh, but we also, um, you know, these calls, the call volume up 400% is nothing that we were really anticipating. And so the county very graciously stepped up to um, train some county employees very quickly and get them up to speed on how to take calls and how to search the database and and uh, how to follow up with public health and all of these things that we're doing. This learning curve is very steep and they've been so great with it. Um, so the county really stepped in and and uh, helped quite a bit. This has been um, a really wild couple of weeks um, just in in terms of trying to get exactly um, everyone on the same page with vaccine availability and the scheduling and the tier system. Um, so, yeah, our, our call agents and the county employees, I cannot praise enough. They are just doing such a great job and um, their work is really is tireless. So if I wanted to find out where uh, where and when there would be availability for a COVID vaccine for myself and my age group, I would just call 211 and ask the question. Is that is that the way it works? Um, yes, dial 211 or 1833-DIAL-211 um, to speak to a 211 call agent 24 hours a day. Um, and they will just let you know the latest news, up-to-date information um, surrounding COVID uh, vaccines. Um, you could also join our text information line. So we, we will text out uh, only official information to Nevada County uh, residents. If you text the word vaccine info, V-A-C-C-I-N-E-I-N-F-O, all one word, to 898 211, you will be subscribing to our uh, text alert system. So we will send out um, up to date, accurate, official information about when vaccines are available um, in, in any kind of uh, late breaking news. Um, if there's anybody listening from Placer County, you could also text the word Placer vaccine to 898 211, and we have uh, a separate. Um, Placer text alert line. Well, Brett, thank you so much for speaking with KVMR, and thanks for all the good work you and Connecting Point are doing. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much, Paul. Great to talk to you. You bet. I've been speaking with Brett Shady. He's Community Engagement Specialist for Connecting Point here in Nevada and also Placer Counties.
This water news with Steve Baker is supported by Clearwater and Filtration on Rough and Ready Highway, Grass Valley. Well, welcome to KVMR, Steve, the last week of January 2021. How many years have we been doing this? You know, I would guess probably maybe seven years. It's been a long, long time. It's been a long time. Yeah. 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 Well, so always a pleasure talking to Uh, you. I enjoy it. Well, Steve, okay, our country is uh, really uh, now getting into the Joe Biden era, which obviously (laughs) is quite different from an environmental perspective than the Trump era. Uh, What has changed the most for Californians, for example? Well, Paul, one big thing is we're not alone anymore. It's, you know, it's expected that the federal government will now be supporting California a whole lot more than it was during these last four years. You know, it's important to remember that California has to deal with a lot of climate change consequences, right? So we've got wildfires and heat waves and water scarcity, flooding, and, and even, you know, threats to our wildlife. And all this stuff requires attention. It requires a strategy for dealing with it. And, and it requires finances. So the, the last four years were spent opening up drilling leases off our coast, backing off of protected habitats for, you know, selected species, and, and then easing easing off some of the efficiency standards for showerheads. You know, these are just a few of the things. So now is is quite a bit different. President Biden is signing a lot of executive orders as we speak, one of which is to rejoin the Paris Climate Accord and to realign the nation with California's ambitious environmental climate agenda. So a lot of changes are happening as we speak. Of course, whether those changes are good or bad does depend on your political perspective. <laughs> that's true, and that's where the, the the conversation must continue throughout the whole process. Uh, so what are some of the positive changes, in your view, being made by President Biden? Okay, uh, well, I mean, first of all, he is assigning environmentally-minded staff to issues of climate change and the environment. Okay, so here, here here's an example. The head of the EPA... Uh, is going from this guy by the name of Andrew Wheeler, who worked as a lobbyist for the fossil fuel industry, to somebody else. It's now going to Michael Reagan, who is uh, has been the secretary with the North, Calif- uh, North Carolina Department of Environmental Quality. Okay, somebody who has actually experience, who has a similar uh, desire as far as the focus of the of the EPA. Let's see. Joe Biden's also reinstating science in decision making. That's it's really important to do. We need to be transparent and it wasn't transparent in the last four years. So the EPA is now required to make sure that all data used for scientific studies is made public. You don't just blindly make your statements without the support of information out there. Uh, President Biden is also boosting vehicle efficiency standards. And, of course, that's a direct reduction in generating greenhouse gases. OK, so that's uh, that's a good thing. And it. And that will continue. Uh, He is also halting new oil and gas drilling on federal lands and over water. And so I'm talking about offshore drilling for us here in California, at least one of those locations. Uh, Imagine, you know what it's like looking off the coast of Orange County and L.A. County and Santa Barbara and those those areas. He is uh, President Biden is reducing pumping in the Delta a uh, large uh, criticism regarding scientifically flawed analysis was really behind the Trump administration's decisions to allow more water to flow out of the Delta and towards cities and farms. So 
it's not about preventing water from where it's needed, but it's recognizing the downside of conveyance using good science. That's really what he's changing. Steve, uh, uh, on that on that same topic, uh, uh, Trump did open up uh, California coastline to oil drilling. Did they actually drill any new wells, as far as you know? I, I don't know. I haven't checked. But uh, drilling new wells takes time to prepare for. So I would assume that it may be, maybe not. But again, I do not know the answer to that. Well, Steve, you mentioned Biden is in support of restricting water from being diverted from the Delta. Now, isn't that water really needed by cities and farms? Oh, it is needed more in some years than others. Absolutely. Uh, there are difficult decisions. Uh, these, these these are difficult decisions because restricted water use is required that everyone that's receiving that water really has looked previously at the critical needs that they have. Sometimes the inefficient use of water or the extravagant uses of water aren't worth putting a stranglehold on the ecosystem. And uh, that stranglehold can be suffered by the ecosystem through poor water quality and low water flow. That's what's happening in the Delta. So every decision requires balancing the benefits of all the physical uh, stakeholders with the negative consequences. And then if you view that, all that information as one would view a balance sheet, if you evaluate it in that way, then we can arrive at what would be most reasonable in any conveyance coming from the Delta. Water is everything to the animals and habitats in the Delta. That's for sure. That is everything for them. So the biggest question is, what's the magnitude of negative consequences to the environment that are acceptable in our decisions? That's, that's it in a nutshell, and it's a very difficult question to answer. We know that us, like the people, we, we have a water print just like all the other critters out there in the world. And uh, for each of us, it's very important. So when there's not enough water in the natural system, how do we share the pain? Okay, that's what we look at. The environment is very resilient, that's for sure. But it does have its limitations. So this conversation about the Delta should be going on well past the Biden administration. It's an ongoing conversation. Yes, it is. Steve, thank you so much. Look forward to talking with you next week. You bet. Managing groundwater is Steve Baker's career and passion, and that has led him into working on all water sources and supplies. This has been another conversation with KVMR's water guy, Steve Baker. I'm Paul Emery. Larry King has died. He was 87. And in a career that spanned 60 years, Larry King interviewed just about everybody. Reporter Jeff London has this appreciation. With his trademark suspenders and his deep baritone voice tinged with a Brooklyn accent, Larry King spoke with presidents. George Bush is our honored guest for the full hour next on Larry King Live. World leaders. Muammar Gaddafi the leader of the nation of Libya. Celebrities. The brilliant Barbara Streisand. Authors, scientists, comedians, athletes, and on and on and on. I'm always engrossed in the guests. Larry King spoke with Jesse Thorne on the Turnaround podcast in 2017. I'm always listening to the answer. 
I'm always learning, so I guess I'm better every day at learning. The Brooklyn-born King actually was an indifferent student, but said he always had an innate curiosity. When we would go to Dodger games, all my friends wanted autographs at the end of the game. I never asked for an autograph. But I would walk with the players as they're going to their cars asking questions. Why'd you bunt? Why'd they do this in the third inning? My curiosity is still insatiable. King began his career as a DJ in Miami, and it's where he got his name as well. When a station manager told him his given surname, Zeiger, was too ethnic, he chose King from a liquor ad in a newspaper. By the late 1970s, King had an overnight talk show on national radio. Then, in 1985, Ted Turner hired him for his new network, CNN. Media commentator and author Bill Carter, who's a CNN contributor, says the timing was perfect. Picking up somebody like Larry King made a lot of sense because he had established himself kind of as a guy who could get big guests. They could have big names and promote it and it became sort of the linchpin of their primetime lineup. And King stayed there for 25 years. Some critics complained that he was too chummy with celebrities and lobbed softball questions at his guests. His strategy was, I'm never going to make the guests uncomfortable. And that means not only will they come back, but they'll tell their friends. He won't ask you about that ugly divorce of yours. You know, he'll ask you about your favorite movie. So he didn't challenge people, but he did get information. He was pretty good at that. Like when he talked with ex-president Richard Nixon. I don't want to dwell on the Watergate thing. That's been covered so well. But some personal things. When you drive by those collections of buildings, the hotel, the two apartment houses, the office building... You feel weird, funny? Oh, no, I never give it a thought. Never Uh, give it a thought? Never give it a thought. That's one place where you just don't look back. Uh, As far as Watergate is concerned. Yeah, no, you don't look up at the buildings themselves? Not at all. Not at all. As a matter of fact, I've never been in the Watergate. Larry King famously didn't do a lot of preparation before his interviews. The less I know, the better. Now, that sounds strange to people. Like, if you wrote a book, I wouldn't read the book before I interviewed you because I would then know too much about the book. And I'm in the same boat as the audience. They haven't read the book. But King knew the national zeitgeist. He covered the first O.J. Simpson trial every night, says Bill Carter. He basically started the cable monomania move. We're going to just cover this story. That's it. In a way, it was perfect for Larry because it was celebrity-oriented. It was in the news, but it was not political. Ultimately, CNN canceled King's show because it wasn't political. Competition from Fox and MSNBC took its toll on the ratings. But King was a survivor. He was married eight times and had quintuple bypass surgery after a massive heart attack. And King took his talk show to streaming video and kept on working. For NPR News, I'm Jeff London in New York. That's our newscast for this evening. Coming up next, we bring you WINGS, the Women's International News Gathering Service, and at 7, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. For Emory Audio Productions and the KVMR News team, I'm Charlotte Peterson, wishing you a warm and fabulous evening. (laughs) 
Ha <laughs> ha